Well, welcome Tabby Powell to the stage today. Come on, somebody. Welcome, hey, Tabby. Y'all. If you weren't here last week, how many were not here last week and you're like, I didn't come to church. I'm proud of it. And anybody just got, we got a few of them. All right, awesome. Like and so, three people. Uh, and uh, well, we, <laughs> last week I mentioned, so Tabby is on our, our, our staff. She's uh, basically, con- I mean, runs our church legitimately, um, is in so many areas of our church, an incredible, phenomenal leader here. And uh, so she's um, going to be doing a special thing called the, the Hot Seat. And so we're going to, um, we start our series off and our sermons, I'll let her explain it uh, in just a minute on what she's going to do. But uh, before I get into answering questions, Questions. I'm like, I got to give you my ground rules. I give you my ground rules every week because it's important because um, a lot of you think this is what it's not. And I want to be able to kind of show you what, what this really is for us. So number one, um, where the Bible's clear, I will be clear. So as I answer questions, I'm going to say, if the Bible's clear about it, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. I'm a Bible teacher. Um, I stand under the authority of the word of God. This is matters more today probably than it ever has because of the uh, dissemination of really non-truth in the world. Um, and, and we need to know what God has to say about things. And so I, I speak Bible. I teach Bible. If that's not who you are, you're more than welcome to come to this church, but eventually I'm going to offend you because I teach the Bible. I don't right. teach culture. So number one, I'm the Bible. I'm a Bible teacher. Number two, where the Bible is not clear, I'm going to give you my interpretation or my opinion on it. And I will tell you it's my opinion. And guess what's cool about an opinion? You don't have to agree with it to come to our church. We have many people who think weird different things about gray areas in the Bible that don't agree with me. And they come here and I love you and and you know, you love me-ish, hopefully, and we will see you in heaven. It's all good. There's a lot of areas in the Bible that are not necessarily clear or is up for interpretation. I always tell people where um, you see a specific topic and they're debating and there's like one great godly theologian on one side and there's one great godly theologian on the other side. What does that tell you? That tells you it's meant to be debated. It's debatable. So I think the church's biggest issue from time to time, especially if you look through history, it's not the out attack of the enemy of the church. Church, it's the inward division that happens over dumb things. And so, like, I'm if as long as I'm the pastor of this church, my job is to keep dumb things out of our church. And that includes spirits of division that come into the church for no reason other than opinion or preference. Um, number three, my answers are not to be used as ammunition against your family. This has happened. They will go home, somebody, none of you, other church people, but they will go home, first service, they'll go home and they'll say stuff like, pastor said this and dad, you're wrong. Here's what this pastor said. Don't do that, please. It makes me look bad. It makes you look bad. It's not the heart of our church. And the fourth one is this. Um, some questions, just trust me. And, and if, if maybe I haven't earned that with you, maybe trust the history of what I've been. Uh, I've been a pastor for almost two decades. Um, some questions are better answered face-to-face yeah. in conversation. Um, this is by nature of what I'm doing is a monologue. Right. You have no say back to what I'm saying. Now you could say something, which, you know, that's weird, but like you could do that, but like, we're not in conversation. I'm preaching a, and I'm teaching and I'm giving, this is a monologue, which means it's a one way conversation. And that's not always the best way to walk somebody through a typical issue with their family, something of the, a deep seated issue in their heart, a sinful issue. There's some things that we, man, I'm a pastor. I'm a shepherd. I'm not trying to win a debate with you. I'm trying to lead you to Jesus. That's my goal. And so as we do that, I can't always answer every question in terms of what t- certain things could be. I'm not running from it. I'm not not teaching the Bible. It's not what that is. But just trust me, there are better. If, if the goal is to be right, 
then I think then I'm, 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 I'll miss it here. I'm not trying to be right. I'm trying to be honoring, kind, and teach you to love Jesus. I want you to love the Jesus that I love. Yeah. If I can do that, then a lot of the separate, like, tertiary issues, those things will figure themselves out. Right. So I want you to know I, some things are better answered in conversation. With that, those are my rules, Tabby. Take it away. Yours, All right. It's yours. Yes. Well, like Pastor said, we're going to take a few minutes here, and we're going to we're going to do something that we call the hot seat. And so we're gonna we're gonna put some time on the clock, and we're gonna give him some time. Uh, we're gonna give him ten minutes to answer as many questions as he possibly can. And if he wants to answer more, we're gonna let him do that too. Ten minutes. Ten, ten minutes. <laughs> Who makes up these timings? I mean, you know, we you? keep trying. We keep. Yeah, I'll take it. It's me. It's all, all right. me. All right. Um, so we're gonna we keep trying. So we're going to do that. And then at the end of this message, pastor's going to take on a really big question. And he won't have the 10-minute timer behind him so that he can spend a little bit more time answering that last cool. question for y'all. Is that okay? That sounds good. All right. Now, you guys, let's get ready for the hot seat. I like the back end of that. Boop. Yeah, the pop. It's my favorite. You made that noise last week. And I did. Like, I, anyway. I think it offended some people, so I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I'm going to save my offense for my answers. There you go. All right. Well, Pastor, we've gotten a lot, a lot, a lot of questions in this week, and a lot of them are, um, you know, guys, I, just have grace for our pastor because I gave him some pretty heavy ones this week. So um, are you ready? Yes. Okay. So here's what we're going to do before we put the timer. I'm going to ask the question. Then we'll put the timer up. So give yes. you just a little buffer. Sweet. Does that sound good? Yes. All right. Our first question. What does the Bible have to say about dating? Ten minutes on the clock. Oh, okay. Dating. So we got a lot of questions about dating this year, and it was interesting to me because I always feel like that's a topic where if I talk about dating, I'm only talking to like a small part of our church, but it's felt like it's really not. And so um, I'm going to um, give you just kind of my thoughts and the thoughts from the Bible about dating. Number one, um, so what does the Bible have to say about dating? Um, here's a quick answer. Nothing. Nothing. Um, I used to be a youth pastor, and people would come up to me like all the time, be like, Pastor, what does the Bible say about dating? And I'd be like, absolutely nothing. Dating, by the way, in human history is a fairly new concept. Um, actually, what was more, con more relevant in that day, especially with the Bible, was arranged marriages. And I don't know about you. Um, I'm a parent now. I think that's genius. Like any other parents in here like, want, to, like, want to go back to arranged marriages like me with their kids. Anybody else? I'm like, I'm pretty sure that I can pick a better marriage partner for you than your 17-year-old brain probably thinks. So like, I'm, I'm almost positive. Come on, parents. That's the amen yeah. part. We all stay together with that. Okay, good. Um, so, so solidarity. Uh, <laughs> So it doesn't say anything, but it does give us like some insight on how to choose a mate, you know, maybe how to choose somebody to actually like, let's be honest, like if we would all go back, like if you're married in here and you could go back like and pick your spouse based on what you know now, there'd probably be some different, come on, like, right, different conversations. You're, you're not just not like where you look at your felt like I would have married you, you know, that's not what I'm saying. But I do think that like, you know, when you're younger, you don't always think through wisdom. You think through physical feelings or emotions and you think through weird things. So um, I'll just give you a couple of things. I, I, I kind of a weird, it's weird to me, but it's a criteria of how I encourage people to date. Um, it's, I call them the four C's of dating. Like if you're dating, these are four things that I think really, really matter. Number one, um, um, character. Um, it, it really matters. It really, really matters that the person that you're trying to date or enter into a relationship with um, is actually a good person. Yeah, that's good. And I know that like some people are like, well, but but like he's so fine. I'm not, I'm like, <laughs> yes, but is he the same person 
in front of people that he is not in front of people? Like, does he, is he a man of his word? Does she follow through with what she said? Like, is she like actually somebody you would bring around your friends and you're not embarrassed? Like character matters, I think. Number two, um, Christ. Um, I think you need to really, I mean, maybe the most important is, yeah. is Christ from a standpoint of, do they love the Jesus you love? Um, and I know that some people in here are like, well, we believe in missionary dating. I'm grateful for you. Like, you're like, hey, I'm going to reach him for Jesus as we're making out. Like, I, okay, that's a strategy. That's an idea. Um, However, I would just say, like, man, the safer, more wisdom thing would probably be, hey, let's determine that we both love the same God yeah, together. And, and I'm not saying it doesn't work out if, you, you know, you, you, you have an unbeliever with, mixed with a believer. or is, I'm not always, I mean, obviously there's exceptions to the rule, but I don't think that that's a good strategy going to it. Like, right. I wouldn't say, like, that's wisdom of, like, finding an atheist and being like, hey, let's get married, but I'm a really devout Christian and you don't love, you don't even believe in God. There's probably, just so you, can I just give you insight to my counseling? Like, that's typically a big issue. It eventually comes up, especially when you have kids. Because, um, yeah. like, if you don't believe in God and your spouse believes in God, and then you have a child who now is you're teaching them whether or not to believe in God, hello, that's yeah. marriage is hard enough. I'll just say that you don't need to make it worse. Um, number three, um, and the Bible says stuff like unequally yoked, like you should, yeah. it matters. Um, number three, commonality. This yeah. matters to me. This is actually like you care about the same things. Like you want to do the same. If you're an outdoorsy person and she is not an outdoorsy person, I promise you that stuff matters eventually. So like, you know, and you're like, because most of like when I get counseling, they're like, she never wants to go outside. She hates outside. She's allergic to outside, as she says. She doesn't love me. She, you know, it's, it becomes a deal. So like you should have some common interests, common things that you like. Bible says, how can two walk together lest they agree? So that's important. And then I think the last C is cuteness. Like I think it matters if, I mean, you got to be attracted you to them. You should be attractive. Right? Yeah, you should be Guys, attractive. you should comb your hair. Ladies, put that perfume on. You know, like there's things that matter. How was that? Per- perfume. I like, there was. Whatever. That's good. That's how I think. So that wasn't such a hard question. No, that's good. Hey, so there are some things. It sounded like that was really helpful. Yeah. So there are some things that happen within dating sometimes. So let's, let's move this a little bit further because that one wasn't too hard. So, okay. hey, what, what would you have to say about Premarital sex. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, okay. So we, we had this question a few times. Um, so let's define a few things real quick before I answer my question. Number one, premarital sex would be defined as sex before marriage, which means you are not married and you are, you know, shacking up. So, okay. So you are, you're together and it's, it's happening. Okay. Um, that's what your question is, right? That That's is my the, question, the, okay. yeah. Okay, so yes. it's like, is it a sin? Is that what you're asking? Okay. Is it a sin? What's, okay. What are your thoughts about okay. that? let's talk about what it, okay, so let's get a couple things straight. Number one, let's all agree, if we can, that God created people. That's what the Bible says. That's, that's an easy one. Yeah. That's, that's like an easy two-pointer. Okay, that's a layup. God created people. God created you and I. He did. He created me, created you. He created the human race. He is the designer. He was the creator. Furthermore, God created, there's another one. Let's agree God created marriage. God created marriage. He understood what marriage was. He put Adam and Eve together. So he created Adam and he created Eve because he knew Adam is messed up and jacked up by himself. Ladies, that's your time to say Amen. Amen. And so he brought in the woe man. And so the woe man came in. And so she came in and they made marriage. God created marriage. God created a relationship. That was his idea. He designed it. He created it. God also created sex. He designed it. He created it in the concepts and in the confines and in the actual structure of marriage. It's important. Sex in marriage is important. 
Like if I ever, I'm gonna do a marriage series soon and I'm sorry for the children that are in here. Sorry, children. Uh, but like I will teach a marriage, um, I'm, I'm, the next time I teach on a marriage on marriage in a marriage series, I will actually probably spend a good amount of time on the idea of what sex actually does in marriage and why it's important. Yeah. Um, because I think sometimes we devalue it in some weird, Christian. Christianity and Christians make sex weird, just like the world makes sex weird. We like devalue it and make it you and grow, like God created it. And the only reason we think shameful things about it is because Satan perverted it. Yeah. And so it's not Satan's idea. It was never his intent. Like it's God's intent. Yeah. So yeah. again, let's review. God created people. God created marriage and God created sex. In that context and in that vein, yes, sex before marriage is a sin based on the Bible. Right. Now, two thoughts on that. One, what is sin? Let's go back to last week what I said. Sin was missing the mark. It was not living up to what God says is best for you, period. Does that mean it's the unpardonable sin? No. Does that mean that you can't come to this church? No. Does that mean like that's worse than other sins? No. In fact, Paul talks about sin and he uses this word because teenagers, do, I used to be a youth pastor and teenagers come to me all the time. They try to catch me. They go, well, guess what, pastor? There's no sin. I looked in the Bible and I Google searched it. There's no premarital sex in the Bible. Like it doesn't say premarital sex and it doesn't say sex before marriage. So ha, we got you. Ha. And I'd be like, you want to ha? All right, let's ha. Um, Paul talked about, and all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, but Paul primarily talked about in the New Testament, the idea of sex, a word, this is important, sexual immorality. And that in the Greek was actually porneia. Sound familiar? Yep. Yep. So porneia was the encompassing word for sexual immorality. And sexual immorality was defined anything outside of the godly constructs of sexual intercourse inside of marriage. So yeah, it was premarital sex, but it was also adultery. It was also like weird sex with things and other, it's like, it, it was, it was all kinds of stuff that had, that was anything that was, a, why? Because God's original design was this and then Satan perverted it. That's what sexual immorality was. Pornea was that. And culturally, premarital sex was always a part of sexual immorality. So let's first define that it is in the Bible and it's not God's best. Right. And Paul actually said it and actually talked about it from the standpoint and said, look, it's, there's all kinds of sin, but actual sexual sin actually not. He, did, he didn't define, I'm going to stand up. He didn't define sin. Like he didn't give levels of sin. It was like, hey, if, I, you know, if I'm a glutton or I have sexual morality, like that's a worse sin if it's sexual. That's not what he was talking about. What he was saying was it affects you differently. Because yeah. if you stole $5 from my wallet, that's one thing. But if you cheat on your wife, that's another thing. It has graver consequences. Sexual sin tends to have greater consequences for your life. And, and so Paul was trying to really highlight that. Plus in Hebrews, it talks about be careful. We need to honor the marriage bed. We need to honor the marriage covenant. We also need to be careful that adulterers and people who are sexual immoral, immoral will actually be judged for that harsher. And so there, it's because you will actually reap worse problems in the yeah. end. So um, is, it, is it a sin? Yes. It's also, by the way, let's say you're in here and you don't even believe in the Bible and you're like, well, I don't believe in the Bible, so that's fine. I'm gonna do what I want. Um, it's also unwise. Um, yeah. Science is actually catching up with the Bible and actually proving that it's actually detrimental to your mental health, your psychological health, your emotional health, yeah. your physical health to have sex before you, mar you get married. I grew up in a world like where, like, they, did y'all hear this from your friends? They always say, well, you got to gotta test drive the car before you buy it, right? Like, did anybody hear that dumb piece of advice from the dumbest friend you had? And you thought, like, that's genius. That's fine. 
but women aren't cars. Like, men aren't SUVs. We're talking about humans and no sex is free. So we have to be careful on how we look at things. And science is actually proving now that you should not do it. Like, right. it leaves yeah. grave ramifications. So right. a couple of things. Can I just give me, I love you. Grace, I love you. If that's you and that's where you are, then you have some decisions to make. Yeah. Because you probably feel convicted right now, if that's you. It's not condemnation. That's of the enemy. Conviction is the Holy Spirit coming in and going, hey, you hearing what he's saying? Yeah. Tugging on your heart a little bit. And so you might need to take a step. And all I'm encouraging you today is take a step. That's where you are. And I get all situations are complicated. And so like your step might be put a ring on it. Yeah, come on. Like do you, do you do know the Bible says if you're so driven by your sexual desires, you should get married. That's literally what the Bible says. It says yeah. it in a weird kind of funky way. But it says like, you know, like if your loins burn with desire or something like that, it's kind of weird. <laughs> all it's saying is like if you really love them like you say you love them physically, why don't you treat her right and marry her? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like some of us just need to be a man and marry her. Yeah. Like, can I just say that with love, all the love in my heart? I'll say this as well. Some of you, if that's not who you're supposed to be marrying, you, you, need, to, you need to have a tough conversation and potentially break it off and stop treating her or treating him like a sexual desire that yeah. fulfills every need of your life. Yeah, that's good. She could have a, a tough conversation. Just take a step. I'm just saying, just take a step. It's all good. I love you. Is that okay? Spiritual group hug? Okay, cool. Well, we got, right. we got two questions in in 10 minutes, but we're going to keep going anyway because we have, we have two I did? Questions. That was 10 minutes? That was it. You're welcome. All right, we're going to keep going though. All right, so even in this same vein, because I know this, honestly, I know this, this one actually matters a lot to you. Yeah. So what about dating as a single parent? Yeah, um, I, I would just say this, like, uh, this is really important to me. I have favorites in the church. I'm sorry. You're a parent. You have favorites, don't lie. Um, some of my favorite families are those that um, come together and become like a blended family. And here's why. That's a message of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus was not a biological son of Joseph. And so he had to parent a son that was not his physically. Yeah, that's true. And, and he made a house a home. Yeah. And if you are single in here and you're a single parent, and, or if you're single in here and you're looking to date, don't overlook the single parent. Don't overlook that. Like, I love some of my favorite success stories are people who, who like a single person that saw a single mom and he, you gave that kid a death. Yeah. It's important. We need that. That should matter to us. So don't overlook her. Don't overlook her. Um, and don't overlook him. You don't know their story and their background and they could... They, they could it could be that godly thing that could happen. So just, that would be, that'd be my thing. That's, That's just my heart. And yeah. I, I have a heart for single parents because I, I want them to win. And sometimes things happen and you never, you know, everybody, we all have history. We all have a past. And so um, I just, I would, I'd, love, I'd love to see our, God, if you're a godly person, you should think that way. You should not judge. Because I, I hear that crap sometimes where I like people be like, well, I, you know, I, they have a past. I can't, I don't want to, you know, get involved with her. You don't know. Like you don't know what you could do. Like you don't know what you could bring. And you could bring a great restore. I think redeeming story yeah. to that. So God's that's an that's ultimate redeemer. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah, that's so good. Um, okay, cremation or burial, which is right? 
All right. Um, cremation or burial? Y'all are the ones that How many y'all want? How many? All right. So is, which one is right? Uh, which one's right? Which one's right? Cremation. Raise your hand. Cremation. Anybody? I'm just curious. This is preference. Yeah, it's all right. Got a couple. Four, five. Great. Six. Seven. Can I get eight? Is there a nine? Ten? Okay, eleven. All right. All right. Uh, burial. Raise your hand. Come on. Burial or nothing. I got to be buried. They got to see my body. Okay, great. Awesome. All right. Um, uh, which one is right? Yes. <laughs> you know, the, um, I, I, you know, I've been in ministry a long time, so I have people come from different denominations or religions that have said like, Hey, my pastor or my church taught me that we can't be cremated because the Bible says at the end of time, the Lord will take our bodies up to heaven with him. And how is he going to take our bodies if it's burned in ash? And um, so that's a thing that's taught in mega major religions. Um, so what does the Bible have to say? Number one, the Bible doesn't expressly forbid it. Um, the first time, in fact, you see um, uh, cremation would be in First Samuel chapter 31 with Saul and his sons when he got killed or he killed himself. But he uh, when they got attacked and murdered and they were actually if you look at it, it's actually more of a they, their bodies were taken as kind of mercy to kind of get them. They were being shown they're kind of being embarrassed. Their bodies were being embarrassed on the walls. They were literally nailed them to walls. And so they were cremated in, in kind of their burial fashion as an honor thing. So it doesn't expressly forbid it. Um, you'll see now more than ever, I actually read a statistic that I think by uh, the year 2035, 70 or 80% of people will be cremated. You're seeing that would be the trend. So that'll be the more trend moving forward. So um, great theologian, um, once said, while the weight of Christian, I wrote this down, while the weight of Christian tradition clearly favors burial based on tradition, the Bible nowhere explicitly condemns it. So my two things would just be, um, if somebody's doing, if somebody has just had a family member or friend pass away, the time to come talk and debate with them about cremation or burial is not then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what they really need from you is to not give them a Bible verse. They really need you to give them and show them the God of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that'd be my one thing. And then um, here's my opinion. Um, based on what I know my God is, he can do anything. By definition, God is God. So anytime somebody, it's funny to me how the most religious people have all these restrictions on the God they serve. And so they're like, we can't get cremated. How is God going to take a body that's cremated? I'm like, God can put dirt back together. That's how he made you. I'm pretty sure Ash putting back to like and creating a body is probably pretty easy for him. Right. Seeing as how high, that's how he created us. So it's my opinion. If you don't agree with it, that's okay. You have the right to be wrong. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm going to lighten the mood a minute before we move on. <laughs> Whataburger or In-N-Out? Oh. <laughs> Anybody? Team Whataburger, raise your hand. Team Whataburger. We're in Texas. Shocking, you're Texans. We're Texans. We're, te- we're in and out. Come on, raise your hand. In and out, in and out, in and out. Well, what about you? Can I just be say, what? What about you? I you mean, just raised your hands for both. Yeah, I did great. <laughs> uh, they're not the same thing, in my opinion. I think they're not. I know they're both burgers, but it's, they're doing two different things. So I, I, I appreciate Whataburger for what it is. And I appreciate in and out for what it is. And I like hamburgers. So you're, you're also, I mean, I know you don't tell people By this By the too way, often. why do they call it hamburgers? It's not head of ham. Ha! N- never mind. Sorry. That was, was a moment. Dad, dad we just joke. had a moment there. That was I'm a dad. Awkward. Okay. Um, you are a dad. So I know that you're originally from California. 
So why are you bringing that well, up? Well, because I'm going to ask this next question. You guys ready? Lakers or Spurs? Dun, dun, dun. I mean, obviously, basketball is amazing. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Tim Duncan. We love sports ball. M Manu Ginobili. Is that a real name? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Guys, sorry. <laughs> See, now they're booing. <laughs> Boo. I started it for you. Okay, well, on that note, that how about we get back to real questions? That ended terribly. That was wrong. <laughs> Guys, have grace for me. All right. I love a good bourbon at dinner, but sometimes I... This is the question. This was not my... Oh, sorry. <laughs> that transition wasn't real great, guys. Sorry. Okay. The question for you, not from me, says, I love a good bourbon at dinner, but sometimes I feel bad about alcohol because of how I grew up. Is it okay if I drink? The drinking question came up. It did. Uh, so is it okay? Like, is it a sin? Is that what you're saying? Like, cause we, it's always like, that's the question I always get. It's like, is it a sin? Cause we really want to know if we can do what we want to do and still make it to heaven. Um, okay. So is it okay? Um, yes and no. Um, let's, let's talk about the Bible and then I'll give you my thoughts on the Bible. Number one, let's talk about where the Bible is clear about alcohol. Let's be clear about this. The Bible, in how it's being taught, and how it was written, in every verse that alcohol is brought up, it, in a negative fashion, pertains to being drunk. So, if you are, per, like, let me be clear, getting drunk, and let me define drunk, wasted, blasted, you have no control of your motor functions, you are impaired, that, under God, based on the Bible, is a sin. Here's why. Let's go back to what a sin is. Sin is missing the mark on God's best for your life, which means you and I, I think we can all agree. This is, if, if, maybe you don't agree with my answer on this, but at least we can agree to this. I don't think in the history of mankind anybody has ever said, when I got blasted, and I couldn't see straight, and I couldn't think straight, I made the best decisions of my life. Can we agree with that? Like, let's just agree with that, okay? Listen. The reason that is a sin to God is because he's a daddy, and he loves you as his children, and he wants the best for you, and you and I don't seem to make the best decisions when we're tanked. It makes for a good story and a great theater and great television. I mean, nothing's funner to watch than drunk people doing stupid things in television. But it's not you. And it's not your life. And most counseling that I have to do when it comes to alcohol is my life was destroyed because of this. Yeah. Yep. Was destroyed. So it is a sin to get drunk. But the Bible doesn't expressly forbid alcohol consumption. Y'all know this. Yeah. You should know this. And here's why. Because culturally, it's different in a lot of places. Yeah. And what's funny 
is like, even if you look at the history of alcohol, alcohol nowadays and how it's created and made is way stronger than it ever was. Like, way stronger. And so for them back then, when they were talking about things, God had to like create definitions of like principle so that he could help you and I make good decisions for our life. So you need to just know this. Like you can try to convince me and try to show me Bible verses out of context, but if you want to bring the Bible to me, let's bring it. But it, it doesn't say that. So is getting drunk a sin? Yes. Is drinking alcohol a sin? Not necessarily. But how do you know at what point does a drink make you impaired? And let me define impaired because it would seem like definitions of things nowadays need to be defined. It would seem that what was normally an actual common sense thing is no longer common sense. So let me just, impaired means you are impaired which means you don't function at your best, which means you want to know why there's laws against you being impaired while driving? Is it because it puts you in danger and others in danger? So our whole life should be like that, not just driving. So again, should you drink? Well, yes and no. Like, can you drink? Yes and no. Like, it depends on a lot of things. Here's one thing. I'll, I'll just give you a couple of thoughts about like who I feel like shouldn't drink. Paul was good about this. Paul said, he said this in 1 Corinthians. He's like, well, I can do anything. I can do a lot of things. A lot of things are permissible, but not everything is a good idea. Yeah. Yep. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. Right. And so I would just say, with that spirit, let me just give you a couple of people, categories of people who I think should probably stay far away from it. Number one, iniquity. Like if you have a generational sin of alcoholism in your family, can I just tell you what wisdom would say? Don't drink. Because, like, there is science behind that. Like, some people are, have this weird predisposition to being, yeah. like, like, can get yeah. messed up with alcohol. What's, I'll give you another one. What's really weird? Some people are, can drink a lot and it not mess with them at all. Yeah. I think y'all, some of y'all have seen that. You're like, and here's how it happens. It always happens. You're out with your friends. You're with a buddy. You're doing something. You're, you're at a dinner date or whatever. And this dude's putting it back. And he's completely normal. And you're like, what in God's name? And what, you know what humans normally do? What we do is we go, well, if he can do it, no, I can do, I, I can do yeah. it. And then what happens is, is you wind up doing it, and then you do are dumb. Yeah. And you wind up doing stupid things. Your issue could not be his issue, and you need it, but you need to take your issue seriously. Yeah. So if you have it in your blood, man, I'm telling you, you stay away from it. Yeah, like, good. stay away from it. Yep. If it's in your line, it's spiritually, if you have it at all in your world, stay away from it. Number two, um, people who have, um, like, self-control issues, you know who you are. Where, like, when you try something, you go all in. You don't know how to try stuff. You know how to do stuff. Right? Like, you don't, your toe goes in with the foot and the body and all your hair. It's all in. You should probably stay away from alcohol right. because, again, it's something that is like can damage your life incredibly. Right. And the last person I would yeah. say is the immature. There's reasons why there's laws why you shouldn't drink at a certain age until a certain age. Immaturity does matter, and that's not necessarily by age. If you're an immature person, it typically means that you do stupid stuff with alcohol. You probably don't want to introduce alcohol into the mix because it'll probably make you do what? More stupid stuff. So I'm just saying, like, you should probably stay away from it. Um, 
I think there's a good practice of, of, of it's, not, it's not about moderation. It's about, I think, your ability to, to be holy unto God. And that has to be a conversation between you and your God. And so I can't give you your limit. You'd be like, well, can was one? Because here's what happens. People come to me and go, well, is like one drink okay? Was like two drinks okay? Was like, what about wine? Is wine not okay? But what about hard alcohol? What about beer? I can put beer back, but I can't drink. You're missing the point. Like, y'all hear what I'm saying? Like, that, that's how we all do it. We, where's the line? Where's the line? Where's the line? How about we just get away from the line and that's see good. what God does? Right. That's good. That's so really good. That, that's kind yeah. of my thought on, on, but if you don't agree with me, that's okay. I love you. You can still come to this church. I'll see you in heaven. All right. All right. Well, I think that we've went well over our 10 minutes. I'm at like 10.2. You're at... 10 and a half. 10 times two, maybe. 10 times two. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, but on that, I'm going to just leave you with this last question. Okay. Um, how do I hear the voice of God? How do awesome. I hear the awesome. voice of God? All right. Give it up for Tabby one last time. She's running the, the hot seat. The hot seat. Um. How do I hear the voice of God? Man, I get this question all the time. This is one of the number one questions we were asked. Um, how many of you have ever asked this question before, like in your lifetime? I've, I have. I mean, I recently I have. I mean, just it's just like, man, I don't know how. It's how do you connect to a God you can't see? I'm just being real. Can we be real in here? Like, how do you connect and hear the voice of somebody you, maybe the most important voice in your entire life? In your entire life. Why does it matter? Why does it matter that if, if you know, what's, what's interesting is I can get up here and tell you, you should pray. You should, you should connect with God. But if you can't hear his voice, it's kind of irresponsible of me. Because I'm trying to get you to do something that you don't know how to do. And I think a lot of us desire to hear the voice of the Lord. When we're going into a big decision, or maybe you're struggling with an issue relationship, or you know, maybe you're fearful of something and you're trying to figure it out, like that could really, you want to, isn't it true? We want to hear God. What do you have to say about this situation, right? And it, it can be so hard to hear the voice of the Lord if we're not, if we're not careful. And, and so let me say one statement that I'm going to repeat that I think is really important for some of us. God still speaks today. And some of us struggle with that. Like, does he still speak? Maybe he doesn't speak to people. No, he speaks. God still speaks today. And it's critical for you and I to get a hold of that because here's why. Re conversation in relationship is critical for growth. Think about it like this. If you and your spouse or friend or if you wanted to grow your relationship and you can never talk to each other and have a conversation, you can never talk to him, he can never talk to you, she can never talk, there was never a conversation, there would really be a struggle for you to actually connect with each other, wouldn't it? Like that would be hard if you couldn't have a way to have a conversation. What's well, the same thing with God? Like how can we expect to have a good relationship with God if we can't talk to him? Like it's really, really important. And even Jesus highlights this and how he connects with his followers or the people that actually call themselves Christians. He actually spelled, says it out in John chapter 10. He says this in verse three. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. This is Jesus speaking about the people that follow and God speaking, people that follow the Lord, that the sheep recognize his voice that come to him. It's his voice. It's his speaking. It's his ability to say something. They can hear him talk. 
he, he calls out his, his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And after, he, after he, he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him. Why? Because of his what? His, because of his voice. He speaks. And they won't follow a stranger because, man, they don't know the stranger's voice. They know their, they know their God's voice. They know their, their, their leader's voice. They know what God, when God speaks to him, they, they know it's God and they know it's not of the enemy or of someone else trying to speak. They, they can recognize it because it's important. Jesus affirms God speaks on a regular basis and he speaks today. And he can speak to you. I remember when I was 12 years old. Maybe one of the first earlier, earliest times I ever felt like I heard from the Lord was when I got saved when I was 12. And it was a little church, and maybe the first three rows was the size of our church. And I remember being in that church, and my pastor used to get up, and his way of preaching was not uh, non-shouting. His, his way was, was rough, and it was like, if you don't turn, you going to burn. And the fire is pretty high. And eternity is pretty long. And if I were you, I would get saved. And he would kind of con- like really, really convict us. And he, I was at the church where you couldn't get saved unless you ran to the altar and get laid out. That's how we did it. And so I had to be in the front. And I remember a pastor praying for me and I gave my life to the Lord. And, and I remember... In that moment, I felt like I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me. And he said, Aaron, one day you're going to lead a great flock. You're going to be a pastor and you're going to lead a great church. And you guys are the manifestation of God's word. Don't tell me God don't speak. And then, and then, and then I met my wife. and She walked into our tiny little church. She's 15, I was 15, and she's so pretty. I was a teenage boy, I'd already dated all the girls in the, high, in the youth group already, and so she rejected me at that time. But I remember that day, I met her, and my mom, she walked up to me and she said, Lord told me that's your wife. I was like, I was like, nah. I was like, I like this other girl. She's, she's for me. And it took me six years to, for the manifestation of what my mom heard and spoke to her on behalf of me that I was going to marry that woman. And she's been the single greatest reason that I win in any aspect of my life. The whole church, y'all sit in a church right now because of her. You should walk up to her on a regular basis, shake her hand, and say, thank you for not letting him quit. Don't tell me God doesn't speak today and then and then we, we we we're in st louis and thinking about our next steps of what we're supposed to do am i going to plant a church am i going to go work for a church what am i going to do and we come to san antonio out of my pastor's request and we come down here and we're standing around and looking around at things and we're in coffee shops and people are walking up to us randomly asking us if we're planting churches people are walking around. We're meeting people and having divine connections. And I remember driving down 1604, coming around the corner right here, right on Hausman, and right at Hausman. I remember looking at Hausman because it made me think of a house, man. I don't know why. I'm dumb like that. And, and so I'm like, Hausman. I'm like, that's an interesting name. And I looked off to the right where the trees were, where the homes were. 
And the voice of the Lord said, that's where you're going to be, Aaron. That's where you're going to plant a great church. And it's going to be amazing. And God's going to use you. And it's going to be awesome. And I remember tears. Because what was told to me at 12 came to pass in 2018. And, and he spoke to me. And he said, that's where you're going to plant. And I... You know what's funny? We tried to plant other, we tried to find other buildings in other places. We, we only could plant here. And Pedrotti was graceful enough to let us in and it was amazing. And, and the rest is history. Don't tell me God doesn't speak today. He does. But there are some things that we might need to do and maybe check about our life to receive from him. Because um, the real question really is, is if he is, okay, well, if God's speaking, then why don't I hear him? That's really what people are asking. Why, why don't I hear them? And that's a fair question. A couple thoughts um, could be on why you might not hear the voice of the Lord. One could be busyness. I think you're too busy. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're all too busy. The world has hijacked our time. Um, if you want to go waste time, you could do it. You don't even have to do it. You know what's funny? You don't even have to go anywhere to waste time. Here's a homework assignment. Go to your settings and go into screen time and just look at how much time you spend on your phone. It's, I promise you it's more than you think. You're like, oh, I don't know. Just check the Facebooks every once in a while. Sometimes I go post it to the gram, but that's, you'd be surprised. And I think sometimes we can get so busy we get distracted. So busy, we, we miss what's right in front of us. And maybe God is speaking, but you can't hear it because you're too busy. And some of us need to audit our calendar. You need to go back and look at your calendar. Go back and look at your life. Go back and look at the last two weeks and what it was like. You know a lot of those things you make decisions for. You're like, well, no, I have to do this. Some things you don't have to do. And we got to be careful with our time. We need to audit our time. Because if you don't have space in your time, in your life, where does God fit? He, he, what I love about God is that he's pretty, he's, he's a gentleman. He goes where he's asked. You don't want to have a relationship with him. He's not going to force it. So it could be your busyness. It could be a hobby. You be careful with your hobbies. It could be your career. I know that maybe one extra hour a day might get you closer to that promotion, but I wonder if that hour invested into your children would have been valuable. Or maybe even one more hour with the Lord. Finding the time never happens. You have to make the time. A good scripture reference would be Jesus walking through a, uh, he was going through a village and goes into this house of two ladies, Mary and Martha. The Bible is pretty interesting. It says that he, he was in the house Okay, this is important. He was in their midst. The Son of God was in their midst, in front of them in flesh. And one person got it, and one person missed it. And the only reason they did that was different, they were both there, they were both inside there, and one was present and not busy, and one was so busy, the Bible says she was distracted, and that was Martha. 
And you can go read it. Verse 40, but Martha was very busy and distracted with all her good things. Serving and responsibilities are good. But she made them God when God was in front of her. So what do you need to cut out of your life so that you can hear the voice of God? Number two could be multiple voices. Some of us in here really struggle with multiple, multiple, multiple voices in your life. You listen to too many people. You got too many people talking to you. You got too many... You have too many news, or can I say it? Can you have too many news organizations that you watch too much? You know my biggest problem? It's not the discipleship of, like, you know why I can't, it's hard to disciple people right now? It's because I'm, I'm not competing with the enemy. I'm competing with CNN and Fox News, with Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon and all the guys that are discipling you because you leave the TV on in the background and all you do is watch their programming every night. I get you for one hour a week. Is that okay? You can only hear so many voices before they all become. Remember that was a Charlie Brown teacher. Wah, 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 wah. That sound, you know, and you can't get clarity and can't hear what God's saying because you're listening to too many other people, listening to too many other things. Multiple voices can really, really bother you. And, and honestly, some of the voices we listen to are absolute nonsense. Some of the voices come in comments on our social media, and you're so worried about that. You're so focused on that and the dopamine hit you get every time you open up that app that you don't listen to the voice of the Lord. Third one is this, and I would say maybe the most important is an unprepared heart. Um, seed goes into good soil. If I was to throw seed on this platform, it wouldn't go down in anything because, well, the, the wood is not prepared to receive it. But if I go outside and I dig up some dirt, I create a hole, I put the seed in and I put the dirt over it, what do you, I've prepared a place for the seed to go in and to take root. And some of us are praying for God to speak to you, but as he speaks to you, it bounces off of you like a piece of wood because your heart wasn't ready for it. And can I just tell you, if you're not ready to receive something, you're never going to hear what God has to say about it. I'm kind of I'm kind of like that a little bit, you know, I'm a little stubborn like that. Like I'm not always ready to receive something that somebody says to me. Anybody else like that? I asked my wife one time like cuz I asked her every week, "Hey babe, how was my sermon?" And uh, she's always so gracious, but I remember one time she I was like, "How was it?" She goes, "Well, you know." I mean, when you when when you ask somebody how you did and they start giving you facts. You know what I'm saying? Well, you were alive, you know, and on the platform and, you know, the light was on and the uh, microphone was working, you know, and, uh, you know, you were breathing. It was great. Yeah. I'm like, tell me really. And she goes, and she mentioned something in my sermon. She goes, well, when you said this and you did this, I didn't understand. Blah, blah, blah. And, I, and I was like, wow. And I did what you and I all do when we hear something negative and critical, critical about what we did, right? We defend because you were right and I'm right. I mean, I'm right. I don't know if y'all know this, but I'm right all the time. I'm like, no, you don't understand. And she goes, and she just did this. She goes, okay. I'm done. And I was like, no, no, keep telling me. She goes, what do you think she said? She goes, I'm not telling you anymore. She goes, you're not ready. I could tell you whatever you want. You're not ready to receive it. And she was right. And I, I wonder, though, if the thing she would have actually said, like, let's say I didn't defend. Let's say I was ready to receive it. 
who knows what the thing that she was gonna say that would have made it that much better, made me better communicator, giving me better insight, help me grow as a person. You never know what God is gonna say to you, but you gotta be ready to receive it. And it could be that thing that you need to make you the best version of who you are. Don't shut them out. Make sure your heart's ready. Till that soil. That's why you should come into church early. By the way, can I give a shameless plug for the church? You should come early, not because look, worship's not the appetizer and I'm the main course. That ain't how it works. The, the meal starts when the service starts. So you're missing out on the seed being able to go deep into your soul if you're not here for worship, if you're not here to relate with others, if you're not here to get connected and grab a donut and a coffee and look at someone in their eye and say, how are things going with the things that really matter? Because your heart's ready for what God's gonna say. It could be an unprepared heart. At the end of the day, if you wanna hear the voice of God, you gotta cultivate that presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and work on the multiple voices and work on you know, God's presence in your life. Work on the ability for you to actually have a prepared heart, man. Like work on, on like being able to connect with him and, and not be so busy all the time. Like you gotta work on some of those things. And my prayer is you do that. You'll hear his voice more and more because God's word and God's voice still speaks 